Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. Today, we're talking to Erica Davis. Erica is a certified professional coach and franchise consultant. She helps others achieve their dreams through business ownership. Have you ever thought about owning your own franchise but didn't know where to begin? Erica's going to talk to us about the process. But first, let's get to know Erica a little bit. Hello, Erica. How are you doing today? Hi, Karen. I'm great. Great. Thanks for having me here. Oh, thank you for being on. I, if you can, I would. I want to go back a little bit. Um, when you first started out in your career, you had graduated from the University of Boulder, Colorado, with a Bachelor mm-hmm. of Arts in Communication. What career? What what ideas did you have in mind when you were graduating at that time? Yeah. Right. Well, um, so I actually went into college um, as a pre-econ major. So I always had this kind of feeling that I might might somehow, you know, be involved in in business versus another industry. Um, But, you know, that my B in communications isn't like your typical radio, you know, broadcast kind of communication. It really was sort of a liberal arts sort of theory of communication. And along with that, I was also, um, and, you know, one of those things was sort of organizational communication or cross-cultural communication. So there were some sort of business-related pieces to that degree. And at the same time, I was also taking a lot of marketing courses within the business school, too. So so there is sort of that. And, and, and I'm not sure that I really meant for that major to, you know, suit my career the whole entire time. But it, I have to say it, it really it really has. So um, in many different ways, as, as we'll talk about my career path a little bit, um, yeah. I think that becomes a little more obvious. So yeah, so yeah. A, a couple of years later, you had started your own business and that was providing administrative and marketing support to security firms. Any reason why you focused in on security firms? Well, yeah, there is, um, uh, because I started working for Merrill Lynch out of college, so I had a um, position for them, and so it, it was sort of a progression from there, and one of the reasons why I started doing that is because, you know, one of the tracks is to become a financial advisor, right? Take your Series 7 and do all those things, and I just decided that was not for me. <laughs> um, so so I, I did get recruited from a um, a smaller investment firm a few years in and I noticed there that they were having trouble um, when they when they transferred over a broker from another firm and the clients that they were spending all kinds of money and doing all kinds of overtime with their administrative assistants so really what, what it was was me being a little tired of sitting in the nine to five chair. <laughs> Sorry, I know that's tough to say to an HR person, but also, <laughs> but also, um, really seeing a need um, within the within the company. So what I did was I. Um, put it out there like, hey, what if I took this over on a contract basis um, and did these sort of very project, very time sensitive 
um, projects where I was helping them, uh, you know, very quickly bring over a broker and their clients and that kind of thing. So you had to understand the business, the, all the accounts that needed to be open. Um, and I created a business that I had for several years before I started having babies um, there and continue not a little bit after that. Um, but um, I was working and doing this kind of work for four or five very large um, investment firms in like four or five different states. So obviously there was a need um, and it really suited me. Um, you know, it was a very sort of entrepreneurial endeavor uh, and um, very project based, which I, you know, I like that kind of work too. Yeah. So yeah. was it after having kids that you decided to go back into like the marketing world? Um, yeah. Well, I, I, it just seemed like that was your next move. Right. I, you know, and, and I do think that, you know, obviously in my, in my business, I had to market, market that, you know, it didn't, you know, the, the one opportunity because I was working for an investment firm kind of sort of fell in my lap. <laughs> but after that, I really had to market the service. Right. So, you know, along with my, my, um, college, you know, education that was kind of geared a bit toward that. I definitely got, had gotten some experience and enjoyed that that piece of the work too. Um, and so, so my marketing director position it was with a small consumer healthcare product, and that kind of started to happen with a big transition in my life. I actually moved from Texas to New York, and I'd actually started working for this small consumer healthcare, um, doing some sales and marketing down in the Dallas area. It was a great market for. Um, to, to get this this product out there. And then I ended up moving for, to New, up to New York. So that was just another sort of transition, not yeah. just career-wise, but but life-wise too. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so fast forward a little bit, I guess, um, mm. over the next like 10 years or so, you, you, this would be like something that I would really like enjoy doing. You owned yeah. a, a book cafe in Skinny Atlas, which Skinny Atlas, for those that don't know, is really yeah. a pretty area, a, a really um, a nice place to be. Yeah. And is that where you were living at the time or? Yes. And I still about? do. I still do. And actually, this is my hometown. This is where oh, I grew okay. up. So I had oh, hopped wow. around and lived in different places, Massachusetts, Colorado, Texas, and I came home and I raised my children here. So, so I had, you know, I, I worked as a marketing director for a long time for this consumer healthcare um, company when I moved up here. Um, and then there were some transitions going on, but again, once again, like this common denominator with First of all, me wanting to be my own boss again, yeah. <laughs> that started to trickle in. But more importantly, it was seeing a need in the community here. I mean, we're a really small town, a small village. But what I saw moving back is, you know, in Dallas, we had cafes on every corner, sort of gathering places and that kind of thing. And we were really missing that kind of place in our town that was not just a bookstore, not just a coffee house, but really a, a place for people to go, not have to order a whole meal, to meet, to work. To, to socialize and also to, you know, hopefully buy books and coffee too. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, I mean, that so. sounds really fun. And you knowing growing up there, you yeah. must have known everybody coming in and, and talking to the new people that were visiting the area like that had to be a fun job. Really fun, I think, you know, and it was it was a very challenging business. I mean, I did have run it for I opened it um, and ran it for 10 years and then sold it in 2014. Um, super challenging. And yes, I love what I miss the most are my my customers and my staff, too, because we really became a very close family. And it was also the first place that my my daughters worked. It was their first oh. jobs, too. So there was a, <laughs> there were a lot of sort of, um, you know, perks to doing that, um, you know, as challenging it could be. But but we were crazy. I mean, I was younger then, right? <laughs> I think about doing it now and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, what we, what we did was crazy. And I did have, I had around 
between 15 and 20 to 20 employees at any given time. And three of those were managers who stayed with me for the most, of, most of it. Um, but we were doing not just the retail bookstore and the coffee house and everything where we did food. We had a wine beer tavern license. We did all kinds of live music and author events, but we were doing oh, wow. offsite stuff too. And we had to for incremental revenue. We were doing, we roasted all our own coffee. Um, we, uh, we did espresso bar catering at, at weddings. I did a bunch of offsite book events, you know, for like, uh, the, the, uh, lecture series that were, was in Syracuse. So, so we were just all over the place, but, and I kind of, I kind of see that business as really my, my big career, you know, my big career, you know, so, you know, and not that there aren't things moving forward and what, not that I don't love what I'm doing now, but that was yeah. sort of my baby. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah, I did not know that it was so so diverse and just um not just the cafe but and so many other things. Is it because it was yeah. more of a seasonal town that you needed to come up with some other things? For sure. I mean, yeah, and I think that, you know, anybody who thinks about getting into retail these days or or, you know, and I, I say this even for for a quick service restaurant, like a franchise, you know, you have to think about other ways, especially if you tend to be seasonal, um, to, to bring in revenue and, or to just get, you know, be super creative in your marketing efforts and that kind of thing. So you're, you're absolutely right. It was wow. a very seasonal business and we had to find, find different ways to, to make it work. Now so. with all of those things going on with the cafe and all the extra things that you were adding to it, how did you ever find time for another position um, because it was kind of happening at the same time, right? True. And I will say rather intentionally, because at the, at that point in time, I was think I was starting to think about selling my bookstore and coffee okay. house. So, so I was kind of, I mean, you know, and after 10 years and I still had my managers with me and everything, things were, you know, running on their own. So I felt like, I, you know, I could still be there part time and especially as we were thinking about selling um, and also kind of start to think about what I wanted to do next. And it just so happened timing wise that all of that kind of came to fruition and I was super lucky to find and actually that that position my position at SU that you're referring to at the Syracuse University and yeah. was part was part time at first um, it ended okay. up being a full time position but so I was able to transition there well and um, so it, it fortunately worked out yeah and so, <laughs> so you were was, you were a career uh, coordinator is that what you did and yeah so um, you know I I was hired as a dual career coordinator. So what I was doing there was helping the partners, the spouses of, of either faculty members who were being recruited or already had been recruited as they were coming in and transitioning to the area, helping them mostly with, with networking and job search efforts. Um, you know, a lot of them are faculty too. So and that's a little bit of a different thing, but many aren't and they're still looking to further their careers. And, you know, um, it can be a challenge, really challenging time for them. Um, so whether it was another on campus position that I was helping them, um, you know, sort of network and, and, and go through that process, or it was more often than not um, a, a position in the area. Um, oh, but we, okay. we were also helping them with some community integration and making sure that, that they were having a smooth transition into the area, too. Well, that's so. a fun job, too. Yeah, it, it really was. Um, you know, I think it was, uh, I, I think I was an interesting choice <laughs> for, the, for them to hire me, but because I'm not like your typical higher ed, you know, with all that kind of experience. But I think my, you know, connections in the area and, um, you know, my my 
joy in, in working with clients, you know, um, is, was one of the big reasons why that role kind of made sense for me. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was really interesting and fun. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so now we get to talk about what you're currently doing and, yeah. <laughs> and talk more about like what FranNet is. So you've been with FranNet um, upstate New York for the last four years. Yep. So can you tell us for those that have never heard of FranNet, um, what is it? Right. So FranNet is a group, one of several groups of franchise consultants. And most people have no idea what a franchise consultant was. In fact, I didn't when I first met John Adams, who's our territory owner in Rochester um, at a networking meeting because I was out there. Um, I had transitioned out of out of SU um, and I had gotten my coaching certification and knew that I wanted it once again, <laughs> the common denominator. <laughs> I wanted to wanted to start start something on my own again. Um, and I was out there, so I was out there networking and getting myself out there as a certified professional coach, and I'd met John. And so to switch back, <laughs> franchise consulting um, is uh, we help our clients, uh, we help match them with franchises that meet their needs. So these are our clients, um, are people who are just considering usually business ownership for the first time. Now, it could be that they've been business owners um, for themselves, but maybe they have never thought about becoming a business owner as a franchise. So there's a big process that we can talk about um, that people go through to figure this out, right? And you can just kind of imagine going, hmm, I've heard about maybe franchising a little bit. I have no idea why I would do that versus start my business from scratch or buy an existing business. Right. And so maybe you would go, go on the internet and start Googling, but uh, it's sort of the wild, wild west out there. So we're helping, there are 3,500 franchises out there. So one of our biggest roles is to help people kind of navigate through that process. Um, and one of our even bigger uh, purposes is to really help match people to the right franchise because that's really important. There's so many variables that go into that. Um, and then help them through that process as they do their due diligence um, wow. and research 3, actual franchises. 3,500 franchises out there, and and, and I think um, 90 different industries, and that's what really surprises people, you know, because we all think, we think, you know, franchise even sounds like French fries, right? So everybody thinks it's quick, it's all quick service restaurant, which is kind of what we call it in the industry, but it's, you know, everybody thinks that it's just fast food, and in fact, there are many different franchises in many different industries. Oh so. my gosh. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just kind of looking at the landscape, are there more men than women franchise owners or is it equal or how, how does that work? Well, there still are. However, that is changing really, really quickly. Um, so I think um, about a decade ago, about 25% of franchise owned businesses were women. That is up to like over 40% now. Um, oh, wow. So that is, you know, it is really women owned businesses. And so I think, I think there are something like, and this has probably increased since I saw the number um, a bit, but like 265,000 women-owned or co-owned, you know, uh, franchise, just franchise businesses out there. So, um, you know, I think a lot of it is just, you know, now women have been in the corporate world for so long. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with the corporate world, but for yeah. some, you know, they're they've decided they've. They've they've um, done well financially and in their career, um, but they're you know maybe for the first time or maybe they've thought about for a long time like I you know I would love to own my own business someday and they're able to you know uh, yeah. now so it's uh, and you know there's there tends to be some franchise industries that are you know more 
that women tend to get into a little bit, whether it's travel and hospitality and, um, you know, childcare and senior care is just a big franchise industry anyway right now. But that said, um, uh, women are getting into businesses that you would think it would generally be, you know, men getting into like home maintenance services or home modification and those kinds of things. Because in the end, when you're a franchise owner, um, you know, you don't have to know everything about the, you know, what a crew goes out there and does. Um, you really are managing the big pieces of the business, the financial, the operation, the marketing and all of that. So, um, and, you know, we do have, we do see a lot of couples getting into business for themselves too, but, uh, you know, women are definitely the fastest growing segment um, in the franchise industry. So I have two questions, I guess, that come mm-hmm. off of that. One is, do you need a lot of money to mm-hmm. to buy a franchise? And is there a range? Um, I, I guess that would be like the first one. And then the second one is, do all franchises have training programs for people so that they can learn? Oh, that's a great question. So so the the financial piece is, is complicated, but I'll try to keep it try, try to keep it brief for us today. Uh, because in one of the things is, you know, that is it expensive? It's like, well, that's such a subjective question, you know. Um, so I'll just I just put the numbers out there so people can 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 decide whether or not that sounds expensive that seems expensive to them. Um, and so so and this this differs. I mean, all franchises are different as far as their investment range. Um, mm-hmm. I can give you an example based on um, the franchises that we typically work with, um, and that range uh, as far as the total investment. And along with that total investment, there's you know a lot of things that go into that as far as the franchise fee, um, and also what they think is going is going to take to get um, you know up and running. But also, usually, a franchise includes in that investment range like four to six months of, of uh, you know, capital um, oh, for, okay. for ramp up time. So you think about all of that. And that average, to get back to that, is typically around 150 to 250,000 um, for the franchises that we work with. Now, everybody said, here's that number and goes, oh my God, I don't have that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But this is almost always a situation where somebody is probably taking out an SBA loan. So it's almost like buying a house, right? You have to have that 25 to 30% Oftentimes, it right, lately, especially with an SBA loan, they're looking for an owner to come in, owner to come in with around fifty thousand dollars, and then the rest would be funded with a with a business loan. Um, oh. We're finding more and more these days that people are, and we would never suggest to anybody that they take out, you know, the, all of their four hundred one k savings. But many people are finding it. Um, really beneficial to do what they call a ROBS program, which is a terrible acronym, but it's like a rollover for business where you're starting, a, you're opening up a C-Corp in order to invest in your business with a piece or part of your 401k. And there can be a lot of, a lot of benefits down the road um, to doing that. So, so we work with funding partners to help people figure out what their situation is, what, you know, whether or not they're qualified, and then what, you know, it, in what way is best for them to finance their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's more that goes into that, but I don't want to. <laughs> well, when I you said about that, yeah. When you said four to six months, and I, like in my head, I'm just kind of calculating. I'm thinking, oh, the number's going to be really big because if you have to put all that, and oh, then right. when you said 150 to 250, oh, that's not that's not horrible when you're thinking about right. what you're what you're paying for. Yeah, and one one of the distinctions there too is, I mean, there are definitely like some of the. 
uh, fast food, quick service restaurants, or even fitness concepts and other ones that are that are much higher than that. You know, okay. you might you might see investment levels of seven hundred and fifty to a million dollars. You know, wow. and that kind of thing. But but that's because you're investing in equipment, uh, leasehold. You know, all of those things with a brick and mortar retail or a restaurant that's you know much more expensive. So some of these other you know businesses like the home modification and home maintenance that I was talking about, senior care. Pet care, even these days, is a, is a big industry. Are much less, um, you know, are 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 much uh, more cost effective to get into because they don't have a lot of overhead or a lot of startup or a lot of equipment leasing, you know, um, necessity that way. That makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, what about training? Do, does each franchise kind of have their own set of fr- of training? Yeah, sure. So I, you know, I think one of the biggest questions we get is, well, why, why would I put money into a franchise when I can start my own business? You know, and, and one of the reasons is, is that there is that, that one, the biggest reason and what they would, what people pay that franchise fee for is that training and support right off the bat. Um, that, and we talked about that four to six ramp up time. I mean, a lot of people, me included, when I started my business from scratch, and this is why I believe in franchising, um, <laughs> is that. Is that it? You can have a um, a lot longer ramp up than that when you start a business from scratch. Um, so that training and that support and that quick sort of turnkey, um, you know, advantages to franchise can really get that ramp up time, you know, uh, much uh, much shorter. Yeah. So so and franchises are. They're, they're, they can be a little bit different in how they approach that, but most of the time we're finding uh, big similarities in how they train and they're, because it's all about process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all about those systems of support that they've figured out. They, you know, they're coming with a business that was already successful because a, success, a, a business that's not successful can't be franchised, you know? Uh-huh. So they're coming with a proven model. And chances are, I mean, some, some of our franchises are pretty... Um, uh, early in their franchising, you know, careers, that kind of thing. And some of them have been around forever, you know, and have a thousand franchises. So that really differs too. And that's one of the, one of the ways in which we determine what, what's a good match for somebody. Cause some, some people might, you know, not be comfortable with that, that, you know, sort of younger franchise and Mm -hmm. really wants, um, you know, a mature franchise. So just as an example, but but yeah. yeah, so there's the training and support is one of the biggest reasons why people decide to get into business for themselves through a franchise and a and a you know sort of proven concept. Sense. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. So if someone yeah. um, contacts you interested in you know possibility, do you yeah. go through the possibilities? Are there people that sometimes when they go through the process say, okay, I've decided not to. Uh, absolutely all the time and the majority of the time because I mean if we think about it you know this is this is not for everybody (laughs) you know Um, and a lot of people are thinking about it and it could also be just that it might be a really great idea in two to five years but not yet too so all the time we are you know working with clients to help them determine if it's the right time I mean we don't want them to do anything if it's not the right decision neither does the franchisor if they're going to start to talk and research other franchises. So it's, it's important to, to determine all of that. And, and a lot of times, you know, most of the time, you know, we'll start to work with a client. Um, and I can talk a little bit about that process if we have time, but, um, yeah. you know, uh, and, and they'll say, no, I don't think this is for me, or I'm going to go start my own business from scratch, or I've decided to buy a business in my community, or, you know, there are lots of reasons, um, or mm-hmm. the timing isn't right. 
you know. Okay. So. so talking about the process, what, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can summarize it because I'm sure it's lengthy, but um, <laughs> right. what does a person go through if they're interested in thinking about it? Right. So um, if they're working with a franchise consultant, um, they're uh, actually our services are free of cost to our clients. Um, so it's not an additional charge to work with us. Um, and what happens is, is we'll usually start with an initial chat, like maybe a 30 minute chat, just so I can get understand, you know, um, where they are with things, why they're thinking about this, um, what's happening, how do they see this, you know, um, and how do they want to move forward. And also then I can talk to them about the process, right? The, the process of working with me and also the process of getting into the research and the due diligence with specific franchises. Right. Um, so then we'll have all of our clients take an assessment um, that helps us kind of determine those sort of preferences and the things I was talking about that helps us match. And typically after that, we'll have a pretty long meeting um, to, for more clarity. Um, and then after that, I'm able to present them. I do my, I go back and do my homework and my research um, and be able to present them maybe with, say, five concepts or six concepts um, that I think are a good match for them based on all of those things that we've talked about and kind of determined mm-hmm. together. And then they might pick one or two or three. Um, I always say to my clients, don't start with more than two to talk to because it starts to end up being a lengthy process. Um, and especially if you're working full time, <laughs> it can yeah. be overwhelming. So, so then they will, then I will introduce them to those, you know, concepts that they want to start to initially. And then uh-huh. that takes them into several calls with the franchisors, um, webinars that they'll be reviewing. They'll be reviewing what we call a um, franchise disclosure document that franchises are all required to disclose um, and starting to maybe reach out to an accountant or a financial advisor, bring in some objective views um, to kind of think about, help them think of things through. And all along, I'm there in the process. Um, We do weekly debrief calls with our clients to see how things are going, what they like, what they don't like, do we need to move on, are you going to continue, and that kind of thing. And as far as timing is concerned, you know, you know, this used to take, you know, be sort of an average of like a three to six month process for people yeah. once they got serious about it. We're finding people are taking longer to make the decision <laughs> for a lot of reasons, and COVID included. Yeah. Can't go without saying that, you know. Um, and, um, you know, it, it just depends on what else is happening in their lives and, um, you know, how quickly they're really, really you know, ready to, ready to make a big move. It <laughs> so. is a really big move. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's bigger than buying a house. <laughs> right. It is. And, and I think that's why the research process is la- is lengthy and why the franchisor, you know, wants to be going through all of this with them too. So that when, you know, they may not have, you know, a hundred percent confidence, you know, they do that by the time they decide, okay, yeah, I'm doing this, you know, yeah. but, but they're going to have a good idea of what their best fit is and, and wow. why. Yeah. yeah, that well, it sounds like it's really laid out for them. And, and also, Definitely. you've done it so many times that that you know, the people that they need to talk to and the things that they need to get set up in place and all of that. And right. That's, that's priceless to, to help somebody through that process. I have to say, I can't, now that I've been doing this, you know, for a while, I can't imagine doing it, you know, on your own. It would, um, no. I mean, obviously the franchisers do typically do a great job of, you know, taking them there through, pro- through their process. But, you know, we're offering, you know, sort of that, that weekly coaching call, but also, you know, like, okay, you're going to have an initial conversation with a 
franchisor today, here are questions that you want to make sure you have answered. Or, uh-huh. you know, one of the most important pieces of the process when they are researching a franchise is um, to, to be start to talk to other franchisees. We call that validation. Absolutely the most important part of the process, the research process. Um, and we have, you know, we make sure that they have, you know, the questions that they need to be asking those franchisees who are running their businesses and, you know, in the end of the day, day-to-day life of that that business and that specific franchise. So wow. So do you I- encourage women to take a look at this as an option for uh, businesses? Absolutely. And you know, <laughs> with that said, it's like I get introduced to new franchises all the time, and I get you know very enticed myself. So <laughs> that's probably going to happen eventually too. But um, <laughs> but um, but I but I do. I think it can be a great option. Uh, you know, for becoming a franchisee isn't isn't necessarily about you know a, a passion for a. a product or service that you've been dying to, you know, start to offer um, consumers or, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's about the desire to own a business um, and whatever that, wherever that desire comes from, it's about, it's, it's really about that. And so I think it could be a great option for women who, you know, are maybe looking to get out of corporate, um, you know, it, it offers a lifestyle, it offers flexibility, typically, you know, yes, you're a business owner, and it's challenging, and it can be a lot of work, but it does offer those things, um, yeah. and really can provide a, you know, a, a fantastic career, um, wow. with a lot of potential for growth, too, in many cases. So, so if someone's listening, and they're interested in, in having a conversation just to explore it a little yeah. bit more, um, how would they reach out to you? Sure. Um, so you can find me on actually askerica.com, ask Erica with a K. Um, mm-hmm. And I can share my phone number if that, that works. Yep, um, my do. number's uh, 315-730-6178. And my email address is pretty easy too. It's edavis at frannet with two n's.com. Okay. And I'll also include that in the description of the podcast so people oh, will see it too. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you give um, women who might be a little hesitant on on making this kind of move? Because it is a, it's a big thing to consider. Um, yeah. And I kind of get the impression and I might be totally off, but women might take a little bit longer to think this through than maybe your average male might do that, do that. Um, So I've had uh, several, you know, women clients recently and and they're the, they're the ones that push the button in the end. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I don't know. You, I mean, you, you may have, you may have a point there, but um, I, I certainly understand what you're saying as far as, you know, how do I even think about that, you know, get into this. But I, I think my advice my biggest piece of advice is to, to just start exploring. You know, if it's always been in the back of your mind or if it's something that's been on the back burner, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, here it is again, knocking at the door, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's no cost. There's no, you know, obligation to um, to uh, start exploring and to just and to just see what happens too. I mean, obviously there's a time when things get a bit more serious and decisions have to be made, but there's nothing wrong with just starting to explore and it's a start and stop thing and it's all about, you know, the potential franchisee and their timeline really. Well, um, and I yeah. have no idea that there was so many different uh, I mean 3500 that is I I guess 
when you look yeah. at different businesses, you don't think whether they're a franchise or not, and they probably they might be a franchise. So right. sure. it, I'm, you know, when I think about it, I think of your, you know, your McDonald's and your Chick-fil-A. I, I, I don't think of some of these other places. So right. um, exactly. that right. alone could open up doors to people who didn't ever consider it because they just they thought it was going to be your regular places that, you know, everybody's known for years. That's right. Um, just, just the, just the awareness that it, yeah. you know, you really could find a business that you, that you love in an industry that, that feels right to you is, yeah, yeah, is, is helpful too. And I, and I think, you know, whether it's somebody that wants to, you know, uh, reach out to me, I mean, this is a free marketplace There are other consultants around too, you know, <laughs> but, but no matter what, um, I would definitely also advise to get help to get help with it. And, and that also doesn't mean just with a franchise consultant, you know, it could just, it could mean making sure that your accountant knows that you're thinking about this mm-hmm. or your advisor knows that you're thinking about this and really get the support. We also know that spousal support is super important. <laughs> so and we, I think we can all understand that. Like, just like you were saying, Karen, this is a huge decision and it requires yeah support in many ways, including, um, partner support too. So, yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. because they may just have to open or close for you one night and <laughs> if they're, yeah. if they're not, uh, interested or not in it, you, right. know, you might be out of or they're going to be like, Oh, I'm quitting my job too. I'm gonna, <laughs> I want to, I want to start working, but you guys have to have these, you know, these crucial conversations about how this is all going to work too. Yeah. 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 But well, a lot of it is the support in general. Um, and, and also getting, getting, you know, whomever's important to you in your life and involved in in the research process too can be really helpful because they might be really uncomfortable with it because they think something's a certain way when mm-hmm. in fact if they just get on those calls and they start to learn more about it they you know those concerns can be sort of alleviated um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. well I think I think it's true having a good team around you and I think that's in most cases for anything that you're doing you got to have your support um, and, right. and because there's no fee to this, and if, you know, if sometimes like that thread that comes through your life, uh, that you want to own your own business and it keeps coming yeah. back around, um, you know, that might be something that has always just popped into your head. It, you've got nothing to lose than to do a little bit of research, have a conversation and just see, explore a little bit. And yeah. And I think that knows? it's, you know, totally fair to feel like to see the for it to seem overwhelming, but yeah. just, you know, and I've always said this, not just with franchise consulting, but with everything in my life and all of my entrepreneurial endeavors is those baby steps that get you there, you know, yes. um, that actually make you move in a forward, forward direction, right. Um, to, to make things happen. And, you know, it's just those two or three things tomorrow that you could do, you know? Um, yeah. And to, it's to not as scary now. when you, when you take right. the little steps and you're not looking over the mountain, you're just looking in front of you a couple steps that it exactly. makes the, the whole thing so much easier to do. So, well, That's thank right. you so much. This I I've learned quite a bit I, that I hadn't, you know, had no idea. Um, oh, it was really interesting. And I plan on, you know, putting all the contact information out there so that if anybody is um, listening and they're interested in talking and asking, maybe they just have some questions they want to Absolutely. ask Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy great. to help and talk. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thanks, being on. Thanks, Karen. I really appreciate it. Me too. And thank you everyone for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. If you know someone right now that's thinking about making a career transition, but they just don't know what their next move should be, visit the website, Sharp humanresources-buffalo.com. We can help them figure out their next career move. Until next time, be kind, everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world, and it starts with you and I. So thanks again for listening, and have a great day.